right, I got to get my blood pressure down after the last couple segments. That was fun, though, but not as much fun as talking to pals of mine who are far, far smarter. We, smarter. We, we have on the line Jason Rowe, political strategist for the GOP for years and years, Rowe Strategic. Jason, as we're watching news headlines float across the screen here, GOP now has picked uh, Steve Scalise as the House Speaker. Some of what we were going to talk about is going to go out the window and help us unpack why does this matter? Why was he better than Jordan, if that's a, a conversation you're willing to have? And where do we go from here? Yeah, well, thanks for having me, Chris. This is uh, interesting timing. Um, you know, it's kind of what I suspected might happen. Um, and it's a couple reasons. Uh, first is uh, fundraising, and it might be the most important Um you know, Scalise has been the second biggest fundraiser for House Republicans after Kevin McCarthy. Mm -hmm. And that's going to be important because whoever the speaker is, is going to have to raise a couple hundred million dollars into the NRCC and the Congressional Leadership Fund to, uh, you know, have Republicans hold the majority. And Jim Jordan, while, you know, a great legislator, is not a political guy. He doesn't have a fundraising apparatus that compares to Scalise. And so he, you know, he would have inherited the infrastructure, but not the relationships with major donors that, sure. that are important to funding campaigns. So if you're a House member, that could be the difference between a million dollars in expenditures on your behalf and five million. And from a strategy, uh, so that's the, um, go ahead. Uh, from, from, you know, from the, uh, the political standpoint, and then I think the other thing is I think you know things like Trump and Nancy Mace and and some of the people that got in behind um, uh, Jordan I don't think helped him I think they're right. you know this is the legislative branch and I don't think a a legislator necessarily wants the potential leader of the executive branch dictating to them who their leader is and so I think it was also a little bit of showing the independence of the legislative branch from the executive branch and the, the outside influences that affect um, what's happening on Capitol sure. Hill. Well, strategy in elections is what you do. My, my, one of the thoughts that I can't get away from is the timing of this, obviously, was exacerbated by what happened in, in Israel. But when you go back now a few weeks and you look at all, all Gates' show ponying and you know, YouTube hoggery behind the microphone and how this looked from, a, from an optics standpoint, is there a bit of a fear that with an already fairly relatively slim majority, are, are people a year from now at election time going to remember what a cluster mess this was and perhaps change their vote? I, I think it really depends on what House Republicans do moving forward. If, if this change ends up satiating uh, Gates and his crew and, um, and you know, Speaker Scalise is able to govern, then I think it's going to be just fine. If we find ourselves veering from crisis to crisis, then uh, Republicans will pay a price. I don't think it's a great look when you're trying to make the case that, you know, we're the ones standing between, um, you know, you and Joe Biden and, you know, we're going to go fight to govern and, and lead this country mm -hmm. when we can't lead ourselves. And so I, I also felt like this would probably get buttoned up relatively quickly. I know there were some members the House Republican Conference wanted to wait a week. I think that would have been politically a disaster. Sure. And I think particularly in wake of what happened in Israel, if there was another attack, uh, if if something, God forbid, happened on our shores, um, you know, it, to have this kind of intramural family fight going on while 
Rome is burning would have uh, been disastrous yeah, right. for Republicans. Was the, and obviously there was quite a bit of talk about, hey, this threshold never should have been this low. Let's not let's not let this behavior happen again with such a small minority kind of rallying this cry. Did anything actually take place in, you know, quote unquote, confirmation of Scalise coming in to, to up that threshold? Is there any, I don't know, guarantee that this won't happen again? Yeah, I don't know where they settled. I know it was a topic of conversation, at least as of a day ago. Um, you know, the motion to vacate just does not allow the leader to lead. You know, the way this should function is, you know, you you make sure that you, um, you know, elect your leaders within the House Republican conference and then go to the floor and, you know, basically uh, codify that decision. Uh, the idea that eight Republicans who didn't get their way then conspire with Democrats to overthrow their leader is, you know, not not a good look and not a way that, that you know, Speaker Scalise or any future speaker can govern effectively. So hopefully a lesson has been learned. I have a feeling that those eight will not try this again. But, you know, I, I wouldn't have thought they would have followed through it the first time aside from Gates himself. Yeah, and it may be it may be conjecture, Jay, but in in the background, there's got to be a lot of semi-hostility towards Gates's behavior and, and causing this mess. And the people of Florida, you know, he kind of says, listen, they elected me. They're, they're going to stay behind me. Do you, do you find that to be true? I mean, you're a bit of a betting man, but not in your business. What's the actual temperature of his colleagues versus the constituents, you think? Well, I think I think uh, his colleagues overwhelmingly are outraged. And I think that applies to all eight of them. Um, I mean, there there are members, of, you know, of, of the House Republican Conference that are, are uh, scathing in their public criticism, and, and folks don't usually do that with their colleagues. You know, with voters, I don't know about the district. I mean, certainly he's going to plant a flag with uh, some of the less constructive uh, voters who just want to burn the place down. Uh, but I, you know, I saw a national poll that 75% of Republicans disagreed with the decision to overthrow McCarthy, and that's a pretty significant number in politics sure. today. Okay, so I guess lastly, as we we close the, the segment out, as a guy who I know hopes and prays and roots wholeheartedly for a real renaissance of the of the fundamental GOP, the traditionalist GOP, is there any encouraging signs on the horizon? Things that have actually made your eyelids go up, and you say, "Hey, I like that. That feels good." I wish I could say that. Um, I mean, right now, um, Republican benefiting, uh, un- unfortunately, from the things that are going wrong in this country. Um, so it's more we've inherited a situation that you know, only we could screw up. Uh, but when you look at inflation, when you look at uh, energy prices, and that's gas and home heating as we go into winter, when you look at the cost of housing, uh, when you look at the poorest southern border, you look at the, you know, the, the, the things that are going on in Ukraine and Israel and, and the threats that we have from Russia and China. We have an opportunity to seize on these, but we also have an opportunity to blow it. And so it's really up to Republicans to take advantage of the window that we have, establish trust with the electorate and then capitalize on it. Yeah, three years of a majority. Would you is it fair to say that they could have done more at this point with that majority? Oh, well, they've they've done a lot of damage. Um, I don't know what more they could do uh, to undermine our uh, economy and our standing in the world. Uh, So I don't know that we can risk uh, much more of that. Well, Jason, we appreciate your input. As always, you're the the smartest guy I know on that particular subject. You need to get to know more people. (laughs) Well, I mean, I only know so many that I enjoy playing golf with. So it is what it is. You know. (laughs) All right. Thanks, thanks, pal. We'll see you soon. Dave Rieger, when you look at that scenario with all the, the messiness 
in Washington, D.C. Does it not look, forget taking sides if you're a Democrat or a Republican and you watch these people and, and all the infighting. Doesn't it look to you just like an abject disaster? Like, are, is, are the inmates really running the asylum at this point? Yeah, I mean, it's just uh, they're just a mess. The, the, even the local GOP, uh, it's just it's weird. It's just you would think that they would be preparing. You would think they would be ready, you know, for 2024 and the whole election thing. And it's just everything is a mess right now. I, yeah, mean, I don't get it. And frankly, as a guy who crazy. I, I like to see nobility and dignity at the forefront of all of these things that I know that sounds like a little bit of hyperbole and dramatized. But good grief. Matt Gates is under so many, much scrutiny for his own personal bad behavior. I can't believe he was the one waving this flag in the first place. Boot that guy. Yeah, that's what uh, that's what Tim Wahlberg said when he was on. All right, we're going to get a little bit of Chris squared here in a bit.